Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm-hmm. You say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Hi, everybody. This is Script Shop. How are you? We're fine, Jack. <laughs> We're great. We can't wait to hear what you're talking about. Well, we are here to talk about scripts today. Hi, I'm Jack. And I'm Allison. And uh, and that's and our I'm audience. And I'm the everyman as well. That's right. right. The voice of the people. To ask the audience questions throughout this episode, and I can answer on behalf of them. Yeah, sure. Like, I don't know. What'd you have for breakfast today, audience? We had parfaits. <laughs> Lots of parfaits. Lots of parfaits. <laughs> okay. I feel like that or McDonald's is the American breakfast Mm -hmm. well or just i mean you can make eggs and bacon and stuff at home yeah but do people do that yeah i mean i I do actually yeah i do make granola and yogurt at home and also i love i love me a good egg sandwich well sure of course (laughs) people still make breakfast at home i'm pretty sure all right all right (laughs) but like the entire american i'm okay yeah now we're getting into it because there are like people with families that need to make breakfast for them before they all go to school that's correct and speaking of which our guest today guest today has quite a few people that he needs to make breakfast for in the mornings we appreciate that hi this is script shop this is a podcast (laughs) where we talk about our favorite breakfast foods methods of preparing them and occasionally uh movie scripts and scripts that uh and stories that people have written and by occasionally we do mean primarily mm-hmm. because we love scripts. Big fan. We love screenplays and movies and all of that great stuff. And we're super excited about the people that work in this industry, ourselves included. We're very happy about talking with everybody about these things. So if you have a script or a screenplay and you're interested in talking about your work, hey, send it our way. Mm-hmm. We're right here. We're going to read it. We want to talk to you about it and we want to put you on the show. So you can do that by going to scriptshopshow.com. Slash submit. Yes. Submit. Nailed it. And uh, by sending them in then, you'll get, or there, you'll get uh, an email back from me just saying like, thank you so much. We got this. We're ready to read it. Thank you. We thank you. Appreciate it. Oh, we're going to get boom. back to you soon. <laughs> we had parfaits. <laughs> uh, we're all over social media as well. In addition, in addition to scriptshopshow.com, we are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are on, on Instagram. I am on Twitter, scriptshopjack. And I'm on Twitter as your bestie, Westy. So you can follow us if you like the show. Uh, like us. And please, on iTunes, like us. Uh, leave us a review. Oh. Oh, man, please. Yeah. Those iTunes reviews really help us reach new people and expand our audience. And we just want to make sure we keep getting great scripts in. So that's why we're really invested in doing that. So if you can figure out your iTunes password, log in and leave us a review. (laughs) Just a couple sentences uh, would be great. It would help us out if you like us that, you know, we we appreciate it. Yeah. Um, So I guess before we jump into Gunner, we just need to see what have you been uh, reading and or watching uh, well, we were talking earlier. I am smack in the middle of watching Godless right now. Right. The Netflix cowboy oh, cowgirl boy. show. Yes. Which is extremely good. It's an oh. extremely slow burn. That sh- you know, that show encompasses like everything that I want for my life. I yeah. love Westerns. My personal work is very Western based. Mm-hmm. And then I love strong female stories, especially ones with like women 
shooting people. <laughs> it's a good way to show some strength, sure. Oh, I guess. But, you know, those that stuff is, like, such high risk, and the drama or the action in it is such high scripts that can really take things to the limit really excite me. Mm-hmm. And so that whole series has everything in it that I I love. I've finished the series, by the way, listeners. And it's awesome. Well, and Michelle Dockery coming off of Downton She's Abbey amazing. is so good. I know She's she did amazing. that other show, which I haven't checked out yet, where um, she was like good a... Good behavior. That's it, yeah. yeah. And I haven't seen that yet, but she's really good mm-hmm. on on this, on this Godless. Yeah. Very good. Um, what are you watching? Um, we just watched reading? Jim and Andy, the documentary oh, on yeah. Netflix that is incredible. The Jim Carrey playing Andy yes. Kaufman. Yes. Yeah, yeah. uh, oh, man, that one is awesome. He's nuts, right? Which one? Well, we know Andy Kaufman's got a pretty well-documented uh, case of the nuts. Yeah. Yeah. And then Jim Carrey playing him. Yeah. There's a lot to, to talk about in terms of, like, artists becoming their characters mm-hmm. or having the spirit of people become them during it. Mm-hmm. It is really, really, really interesting. And um, you should watch it. Jack and all of the listeners so that we can talk about it together, because I would love to hear what our audiences have to say about it. We want to talk about Jim and Andy with you. <laughs> yeah. And then in terms of reading, this is really funny, and I'll bring it up. It's not really funny. It's just like a very specific snapshot into my life. I'm mm-hmm. going to bring it up specifically because Gunnar has five children. Um, we just Our started, guest today, Gunnar Garrett. He's got five kids, five girls. So that's going to be fun and exciting. But Philip and I have just started reading like... There's this book called Baby Wise, <laughs> and it's about mm-hmm. what to sleep patterns for babies because I, of course, um, with good fortune and good health, will have a child in March. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to figure out, like, what to do after you have one. Oh. Yeah. This One of my friends said that she and her husband read a lot of books about how to grow a baby, and then afterwards they were like, we don't know what to do, and this book helped her. So she gave it to me and was like, read it. Is this how they talk about there's not a manual, but this is like a manual? Oh, I think it's probably like something that just makes you feel better. Okay. You know, like a blankie. Like like, it's okay to not know what's going on at any given moment? mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, and even if the book gives you tips and tricks, which is just like a little bit more information than you have currently, Mm -hmm. it just makes me probably me feel better about having something like that available okay so yeah it is it's, it's it is like a comfort blanket like a yeah just a, yep. a snuggie to an, yep. in, an informational brain snuggie <laughs> i'm never gonna say those words again an I'm really informational sorry. brain don't say snuggie. it don't say it That's is that terrible. like a snuggie that goes on top of your head so gunner garrett <laughs> is our guest today and we should probably uh Let's start say hi. talking to him right hello gunner garrett are you there hey what's going on guys what's going on man thanks for coming on the show Ah, you're welcome. Glad to be here. Gunner, did you guys read parenting books with your first child when your wife yeah, was pregnant? Yeah, no, I didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't... How long ago was that? Totally just won it. Yeah, good for you. Um, how long ago was it that you had your first daughter? My oldest is 18 now. Okay. Wow. okay. So I have an 18-year-old, twins are 17, oh, and then I have twins. an 11- and 8-year-old. That's awesome. What is it like being a father of five girls? That's a great question. Uh, painful? Is that an answer? No. <laughs> no, it's good. I love my kids. It's good. Um, it's busy. More than anything else, it's just busy. Well, there's got to be a weird thing on this spectrum of ages of kids, because now that your oldest is 18 and you said your youngest is, did you say eight? Yeah, the youngest is eight. So there's and- one that's like an adult now and the other that's still very much a capital K kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um 
No, it's it's interesting to watch them kind of grow and do their own thing, um, become their own little people and everything else. But I still give them grief just as I would if they were eight. So no changes there for me, mostly them, because they still have to deal with me being a kid. Right. Well, that's the role of a dad is to give your kids the right amount of grief at the right yeah, time. Yeah, but it's still, still got to put them in check when I need to, though, <laughs> make sure they're, they're going the right direction. Yeah. Do you and your wife have, like, very specific parenting philosophies or i mean if i had a wife maybe oh pardon me what's your uh <laughs> it's just it's just me and my girls oh okay great um yeah. so no doing the single dad thing my, my girls live with me so have you been how long have you been a single dad forever um no for the last almost three years mm-hmm. do you want to talk about that at all i mean i know nothing about you so you don't have to tell me anything but it sounds no, like a I, I really mean, it's, specific it's not a big deal. It just is what it is sometimes things don't work out yeah i don't know me and my me and my girls enjoy doing our thing and we just keep it that way keep it busy and just move on with life That's yeah it. how how has it changed for you being a single dad like in the past three years what's really really switched yeah, uh, the whole personal life thing, I really don't have one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I go to the gym, I do my work, and then in the afternoons, it's, it's just back to kids, making sure they get where they got to go. Mm-hmm. Um, the little ones are into basketball, pretty heavy. Um, the I have One of the 17-year-olds is an actress, and she's doing very well. She was actually recently on an episode of Speechless. Cool. Um, oh, nice. And she's actually the reason I started writing. Um, I kind of was like, okay, well... She doesn't get a lead role. I'll just write one for her. And it wow. kind of worked out. So um, that kind of is what it is. Um, my oldest one uh, was a state champion boxer for a while um, and did very, very well. Oh, that um, makes a lot of sense. Where I pulled a little bit from the screen, you know, screenplay, I'm sure you're aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is uh, that, this makes no. a ton of sense now with, uh, with, with the script that we're here to talk about right. with you today. Well, because we didn't even intro the script, but for our listeners, just briefly, the script today is a 102-page feature called The Fight After that deals a lot with uh, boxing. It deals a lot with family and boxing yeah. and, and somewhat larger families and complicated mm-hmm. issues that arise. This is, geez, this, I mean, you're, you're writing from a place of pretty intimate knowledge. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I, I do pull a lot from my own life and anywhere I can, but I also pull a lot from anything that I see. Um, I, if you just listen to people, there's plenty to write about. Uh, the other night, even I heard a gentleman say these words, and, I, and I, when I hear things that are interesting to me, I'll text them back to myself mm. so that wow. I have them for later. Um, last night, or not last night, two nights ago, I heard a gentleman say this. He's like, "Oh, I'm so full. I ate so much." He's like, "But I want some ice cream. I'm gonna eat some ice cream. I love ice cream." And then his next words were, "I had diabetes two years ago. I used to weigh 280 pounds." Oh, <laughs> okay. So he knows. I'm like, man, maybe you don't eat the ice cream, <laughs> but he loves it. Just, it. it just in flow, it just, he just went, and I was like, wow, that's. I'm gonna have to write that one down. That was pretty, pretty fluid. Yeah. Like I said, that I can pull from later. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were talking about becoming a writer as a way to create opportunity for your oldest daughter. Um, one of my 17 my twins are 17 it's actually one of the 17 year olds okay an actress Um, yeah and then um i actually found it such an interesting world because i i was in the military for for 12 years um which iraq all that good stuff and wow um did deal with some issues when i returned um and one of the things i did find with the writing is it also helped me as a release to uh get things out and things like that 
gave, you know, gave me the opportunity to do something else, keep myself occupied. And it, it really, really turned into its own thing. Wait, when you say, gonna, you know, you had some issues coming back, do you mean PTSD? Yeah. Yeah. And so this became a therapeutic way for you it's as well. It's basically an outlet, yeah. Yeah. That's a tremendous thing to find because, I mean, you you have to know guys that haven't been able to find that kind of therapeutic outlet, right? I definitely do, yeah. I mean, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I get back. It's, it's a weird situation because you do something for so much of your life and then you have to try to do something else just completely different and, and it's hard to find that. And I, I went through trying to find just some sort of hobby or anything to keep me occupied and it just happened that I fell into this um, and, I, and I have been doing very, very well with it. But I think the fact that I'm doing well doesn't have so much to do with just luck or anything like that. Is once I decided I was going to do this for my daughter, I, I invested the time. I, you know, I read anything I could get my hands on book-wise, watched any videos I could on it. And then as soon as I did that, I realized I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, I had an idea what I was doing, but I still didn't really know what I was doing. So I went to people who did and got feedback and, and learned what I needed to do. And then once I found where I felt my writing style was, if you will. And that's a weird thing to say because I sometimes don't consider myself a writer. <laughs> just like just like to tell stories and then how to figure out how to write. Mm-hmm. Um, so once I, I, I got where I felt comfortable, it started to flow really, really easy and at least formatting to Hollywood standards and that sort of thing. Because that's where I got most of my grief was, well, it should be written like this, should be written like that. Now it's all been cleaned up. So it's it's pretty good for the most part. How long do you think that period of time was? You um, beginning writing to feeling a bit more like you have a grasp on how to write? Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny because I don't feel like I'm a really good example on how to do things. Um, in the sense that when I wrote my first screenplay, I wrote the first one in about three weeks. And then from that point till I realized what I was until I realized how to write it, maybe a couple months, till I realized what I was really doing and starting to break it down, maybe a year and a half, and now I've learned how to correct all the minor things. And the, the more you do anything, you start to pick up on where your mistakes were in the past so you can make those minor adjustments. And, and I feel like where I'm at now, it's a lot of minor adjustments that always need to be made. But that's going to be any screenplay. You're going to write it going to sound great in your head you're going to hand it off to your first reader they're going to pick it up and say hey what about all this nonsense in here and you're going to like oh yeah i guess you're right you want to you know go insane because you think you nailed it and you hit one out of the park and then you then you have to go back and start from square one and clean everything back up takes a lot of humility huh uh yeah it's it just kind of is what it is i i mean i know a lot of people in the industry that that don't handle that very well, the, the criticism um, where they're, they're basically like, hey, this is my art. This is what I'm trying to get across. And that's fine. I'm not that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of people I'm sure out there that know a lot more than me, and I'm going to take their word for it. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to write my story, but when they make these suggestions, you know, if, if I look at it, I'm like, yeah, you know, that would definitely make a better story. I'm going to do that because the ego, ego is going to do nothing but kill your story and career. Where do you find the time with a household with five daughters and then you're trying to right write? Right now when the kids are at school. So thank you for taking some writing time and <laughs> arguably therapeutic time to talk to us then. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Also, I wanted to talk about, you said one of your daughters um, boxed. How did, how did that kind of work into this specific script? 
Um, my, my daughter Kaylee, she was an amateur boxer, state champion, um, still hasn't lost the fight. Wow. Um, wow. Look at her go. Very, very, very good at what she does. That's incredible. <laughs> I had a couple of friends who were Olympic coaches, and she worked with them. Um, so she's very, very good at what she does. There's not a lot of females to, to fight to begin with. And then once they find out you have talent, um, people avoid you. And, and it's hard. And I know a lot of the reason she stopped is, it, is it's hard to train, 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 work, work, work. And then you don't, you don't do anything with it. Um, but then she wanted to go to school anyway for film production. So she's moved on to that. And she's doing very well with that. She's graduated high school a year early and has already finished two years of college. So wow. she's doing very well. So was she the inspiration no, she, for this script? Yes, yes and no. And I, I mean, any, it's really, it's funny because with this script in particular, um, what I wanted to write, because I've written comedies, horrors, um, another family film, uh, fantasy film, kind of like a Lord of the Rings type, type situation. Um, but this one in particular, um, what I wanted to write was there's a movie I watched, my favorite movie of all time is called HUD. It's a 1963 film with Paul Newman. Hmm. And I remember watching that movie at like 2 a.m. And I was watching TV and I was like on AMC or, or, or Western Channel or whatever it was on. Um, and I remember just not being able to sleep and, and this came on and I started watching it. And the cool thing about that, that movie in particular was there was no happy ending. There was no sad ending. It was just an ending. Hmm. Um, and it was real life. And that was, that was what kind of drew me in is, you know, with all these other stories out there where, you know, they, they follow these patterns and things like that, even though this one somewhat does, um, it's just real life. It's just how life happens sometimes. Everything isn't always happy. There isn't always like a, you know, a conclusion at the end. Just life just goes on. Uh, whether you want it to or not, life goes on. You have to make decisions and it moves forward. So that's what I was trying to pull from this one. It, it, life is hard sometimes, but guess what? Tomorrow's still going to be there. Do you think that your writing style is more of this tried and true to real life and that maybe being that way is the result of you coming into writing later in life? You know, it, I, I imagine, I imagine it is. And that's the thing. Uh, and I actually talked to um, somebody about that not too long ago about, um, I have a lot to pull from. Um, I, I, I was a professional boxer for a while. I was in the military for 12 years. I, I have done a lot of things with my life. Um, so I've met a lot of people and I have a lot of places to pull from. Whereas some of these younger kids coming out of college and stuff like that, wanting to write movies and stuff like that, they don't, they don't have the life experiences to pull from. Um, you know, they, they want to write what they think they're supposed to write or, or what they've been taught to write as opposed to what they've seen and experienced. And my writing style itself, I feel like it's pretty simple. I, I know I know I've read a lot of a lot of screenplays where people want to flex their brain and stuff like that and use big words and I'm just not that guy. I keep it simple and it's just whatever I write. I feel like it's a simple, easy read. If nothing else, I've never had a complaint like, "Hey, it, it took it was hard to get through" or anything like that. It's been like, "Hey, if nothing else, I, I got through. It was a good story." I mean, right. there's always work to be done, but it was an easy read. Right. Yeah. No. Reading the script was very the uh, the there were all the family dialogue and the interpersonal relationships between this father and daughter who's a boxer. I thought it was uh, an excellent read. Thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably. You want to jump into the script a little bit here? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so sure. we're going to go ahead and read a selection from the script. Um, we have today a selection from the fight after. Um, 
I will be playing the role of Elle, who is a 17-year-old high school girl, which is a bit of a stretch for me, mm-hmm. but I have a female voice and Jack has a male voice, so <laughs> it would be even more of a stretch for him. Um, Jack is going to be reading for Mr. Davidson, the school counselor, and Gunner on the phone is going to be reading all of our action headings, etc. So... Is everybody ready to go? Do we want to set up a little bit what this yes, scene is? Yes, please. You go for it, Jack. So Elle is, like you said, she's 17. She's in high school, but she's also a boxer. Her dad, Sonny, was a boxer. And she is at the point in her life now where she's good at boxing. I think she still enjoys it on some level, but she's thinking that it may not be the future for her. And she's thinking about college. She's thinking about what a different change, what a change in her life would mean to the relationship that she has with her dad and this whole boxing thing, which he is very much all about. And now she's talking to the guidance counselor. Gunner, is that about where we're at in the script? Yes, yeah, it's pretty accurate. Okay, cool. So, Gunner, whenever you're ready, you can, uh, you can start us off. All right. Internal school counselor's office day. Elsa across the desk from Mr. Davidson. Tell me, how are things at home, Elle? They're fine. Why? Am I in trouble or something? No, but I did see you were late this morning because of a medical emergency. Yeah, it turned out to be nothing. Good. Good. I'm glad to hear that. So, the reason I brought you in was because this showed up in my box this morning. Mr. Davidson lifts an envelope from his desk and hands it over to Elle. What's this? You tell me. It's addressed to you. Elle stares at the envelope from the University of Texas. I'm going to cut right to it, Elle. I've been a counselor for most of my adult life, and every time I've seen an acceptance letter come directly to the school for a student, it's because that student doesn't want their parents to know that they've applied. Elle opens the envelope, slides the letter out, and reads it. She holds back a smile the best she can. If it'll make it any easier for you, I can sit down with your parents and throw out a few things, like possibilities of continuing your education and see how they respond, and then we go from there. I don't think that's the best idea. My dad... Your your dad has got this idea of what he wants for you, I know. This isn't the first time I've heard this. At least twice a year, I have to give this same speech to parents who know what's best for their kids. No. Uh, well, kind of, yeah, but... Even still, our our situation's a little different. My dad says we have a good chance of making the Olympic team next year, and I don't want college getting in the way. Yeah, I saw you on the news a few weeks back, and it looks like you're doing very well. Mr. Davidson leans back in his chair. Let me ask you this. If this isn't what you want, then why take the time to apply? Elle climbs up. Her eyes fall back to the letter. At least let me sit down with them and see where they're at. Elle gives a nod. Mr. Davidson opens a desk drawer and takes out a book titled Everything You Need to Know About College and passes it to Elle. Here, I don't expect you to read this. Just maybe flip through it a little, and I'll set up a time for your parents to come in. Elle hesitantly takes the book, gives it a once-over, then slips her letter between the pages. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Elle, by the way, real soon everyone's going to start throwing out ideas of what you need to do with your life. Remember... They're just suggestions. You're the only one that can make the decision that's right for you. There we go. And end scene. Uh, Gunner, you know, that is very much a scene of where, like, I mean, Elle doesn't know what she wants to do with herself. And that is the big thrust of this script. It's this teen girl trying to figure out her way in life. She doesn't want to disappoint her parents, but she wants to do 
uh, what's right for her, and she's trying to find that balance. I think that is an incredibly important message to give to adults to understand where their kids are at, and maybe for you know teens and young people too to be like, look, we get it. You're all trying to find your way in the world right now. I, I'm pretty sure that's all of us. Yeah. yeah. I mean, huh. even, I, mean yeah. I just let's be real. I, I started writing just three years ago. Um, and even still, I didn't know where I was at. I, I, luckily, I found that place where I feel like I belong. I enjoy what I do, and I wouldn't do anything else at this point. But it took me a long time to get to that point. Um, and, and I know even with my, my own daughters and stuff like that, luckily, they're smarter than I am, so they're finding their path a lot sooner. Um, but again, everyone in life, you, you have to find what it is that's right for you, and those decisions aren't easy because it's not always a wrong decision. It's just a decision that has to be made. So you said that you did box before you went into the military. So how much of this script do you relate to with Elle and her dad, who was a boxer? Are there any similarities there? Um, yeah, I, I definitely am not as hard as <laughs> Sonny in the, in the film. Um, I, I mean, I, I do want my daughter to do well and do the best she can in anything she attempts to do. Um, in fact, when my daughter stopped boxing, I was the one who asked her about it because if I had not said anything, she would have just continued. Mm. I'm sure she would have just continued and I could have continued to push. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I was watching a sparring session one day with her and and I caught her just kind of going through the motions and I I pulled her out and I said, Hey, uh, I'm like, are are you done? She kind of looked at me and I'm like, look, I can tell, can tell your head is somewhere else. And this is not a sport where you can have your head somewhere else. You have to have it in the game or your head's going to get taken off. Right. Yeah. You'd know. Yeah. And the last thing I want to do is see her get hurt because she's not 100% there. So, kind of went from there. You know, I, what about you and your experience makes you so tender towards your daughters and so able to really look for what what they want? I don't think all parents can do that. And I, I just wonder what it is about you that lets you focus. <laughs> Interesting fact, I I grew up mostly without parents. Um, my dad was MIA um, for the most part. And even though my, I, I did live with my mother for the most part, she was not around. She had other things she would rather do with her time. And I just wanted to make sure that my kids never had to worry about that. Wow. I mean, because I, I, I would think that you could sort of see things going one of two ways. Like you said, either you know that you don't want that to happen to your kids or that's all you know, so that's what you go with. Yep. And I've seen it the opposite way as well. Not on my end, but I, I have definitely seen that with people. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because people who know me a little bit more know a lot more of my backstory, and they're kind of like, wow, um, considering the situation, you're doing very well. So, so yeah. We talked about how the influence of the boxing and how your daughter was in it for a bit. There's a lot of scenes where Elle and her father, Sonny, there's just this sort of constant tension, and it's not even necessarily boxing-related. Sometimes it's he's frustrated because he doesn't know why she's frustrated. She's still a girl growing up and trying to figure her stuff out. I thought it was really great how there was just sort of constant, we don't understand each other, almost like gears that don't fit together, and it led to a lot of fights in the script between them. Was that based on anything real? Nope. That's good. <laughs> that's close. And that's what's funny about it. Me and my daughters are extremely open about everything. Um, literally everything. I, I mean, boys, everything. I, I mean, there's, there's no whatever. If there's any kind of tension that starts, 
it just the dialogue opens up immediately, so we squash that. Mm-hmm. So there's no arguing. There's no, you know, kids like you don't understand or, or whatever getting snippy and, and things like that. It just doesn't work that way here. I, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna just make adjustments when we need. They're more than welcome to their opinion um, and, and to say how they feel, which is great. However, it doesn't mean that they're always going to be right. So I need to make sure that my kids understand that. Just because you have a you know opinion on something and you would like it to be this way doesn't mean that that's always the correct answer because I'm still a parent. Um, but no, everything is, is talked about where we're very open about everything. I, I mean, like I knew when my girls had their first kiss, all that nonsense. So mm-hmm. no, I, I, we're very open here and there was never any of that awkward, unsure of how to say things to each other to get our point across or anything like that. And that's what seems to be the difference between like Sonny and Elle is they, they both want to tell each other what's happening and, and they're, you know, how they feel about things, but they're afraid that the other, they're going to you know get into these arguments because that's what they do. Um, so they both hold back until they explode. Right. Let's, let's talk about that explosion, which is that fight in the ring between yeah. Sonny and L. Do you want to talk about that a little bit, Gunner? Sure. Um, I, I purposely put that in there um, because a lot of, I, I feel like a lot of screenplays would have definitely avoided that um, because it makes Sonny look like a bad person. Mm-hmm. Right, because she's at the gym um, sparring and training and he all, he gets frustrated with stuff and steps into the ring and he and his daughter have a, a little bit of a boxing match, even yeah. though everybody's screaming at them, hey, cut it out, get out of there. And you notice, and it's funny because they're probably both the same person and neither of them want to back down. Right. And both of them should. This is where it comes back to real life. People always don't respond the way they're supposed to or do the things that they're supposed to in life. And I could have it where Sonny, to make it where, you know, they have this moment after that where they love each other and, you know, hug it out and he realizes he was wrong and they move on with life and everything's great again. But that's not how life really is. I mean, that, those things do happen, but more chances than not, people still continue to be who they are. Can I ask you a little bit about where the when that scene is building up, as Sonny is getting into the ring because he's frustrated, we had just come off a scene where he and Elle really did have a genuine moment of understanding. They, they finally were able to get past all the bullshit and really have a moment with each other. And then it cuts to this scene in the gym, and Sonny gets really mad. I think the only motivation for him to get mad was where Willie, his dad, who's sort of this Burgess Meredith grandpa trainer type, mentions that Elle and Yvonne, this other boy that boxes, were playing a little bit of grab ass, and Sonny has a little bit of an adverse reaction to that. Is that what frustrates him, or are they just slipping back into old patterns? That fight. Probably a little bit of both. He, yeah. I think a lot of his frustration comes with she's not putting in the work she's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. He knows what it takes to get to a certain level, and she clearly can't only because she's only a seven. I mean, she's seventeen. At that age, you don't know. It, it, nobody knows anything. Right. I mean, everyone at seventeen thinks they know everything, but the reality is that they just don't know about life and what it takes to succeed. And he has gone through the struggles and knows what it takes to succeed at, at something and, and put in a, a lifetime of effort. Um, and to watch your, your own child, and this is from my experience, to watch your own child do something and not commit to it, not put in the effort that's necessary to succeed, that's really hard. And I think that pulls him back out of that that moment and puts him right back into the spot where him and Elle, you know, have, have their tension again. And instead of knowing how to just talk to her about it, they slip back to how exactly how they are. And again, you said that knowing how what it's like to be a boxer, if you're not 
in it, in it, you're going to regret it. Oh, yeah. It, it's that simple. I, I mean, I, I've been in, in, in fights where, you know, where there, there's people who have just been better than me, where I, where I started training and, you know, because I've been, it's been a, like an off and on kind of thing for me. And there's been times where I come off the couch and I start working out for two weeks and I'll get in the ring with a guy. And to everyone else, it looks good. They're like, man, yeah, you looked good out there. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. But you weren't getting hit by that dude. Right. I mean, cause even when you're winning, you still get hit. Mm-hmm. It just, this is how it is. So for Sonny in that scene, it's really about his fears then for Elle and for her future that are kind of driving him to do this. That and then I'm sure the frustration of her continual lack of effort. So it's just a culmination of everything to that point. And then, of course, you guys know at that point in the scene, once once that scene, at the end of that scene, the, the screenplay takes a dramatic turn at that point. Right. Because, yeah, there is a younger there's a younger sister who's feeling left out. Uh, who is at the gym that day and sort of goes wandering off, and that's there. There, there's a very, very scary and emotional climax that builds up uh, after that. Yeah, um, <laughs> and hopefully, I led the reader to believe that they knew it was going to happen, and they believed that I was attempting to trick them, and they thought they had it figured out, but mm-hmm. they didn't. Yeah, I mean, you got I a, did. you've got a yeah. little girl walking on the railroad tracks with that's, a train heading her way. That's, you're, you're, there's a that's a big telegraph of what people should expect versus what happens. <laughs> you know what's funny about that is I I I, I foreshadowed what was going to happen earlier in the screen. Yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, so listeners, yeah. in case you're wondering what happens there, just a reminder that this script is available on our website. Um, and you can read it because there is a dramatic turn at the end that ultimately results in what I believe is what the title of the movie is all about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, Gunner, do you want to talk a little bit about what the fight after that phrase means to you and means to this story? Yeah, because I think we have different um, opinions. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, it's always titling a titling screenplay is always interesting. Um, and you, you have to make sure, you know, people are aware of what the film is about and stuff like that with, with the title, but... And this, it, even though this, it's interesting to me because to me, this isn't a boxing film. This isn't a, a film about boxing. It's just what these people do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really more about the family dynamic and, and just life. Um, and really the fight after it's, it's not the fight that's in the ring. It's not the fight that's going on there. It, it's, it's what's happening after you step out of that ring. What, what's happening after that and the things you have to deal with after the aftermath. So that, that's really where that came from. Okay, I think we do have similar opinions then on what the fight after means. I think that's because yeah, it's 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 the the grind at home. It's it's the fight after the fight. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's pretty pretty accurate. Yeah, I took a a bit more of a like metaphorical thematic theme to it, which is like the fight after losing somebody you love. Mm. That at the end of the story. Of course, there is a is a huge loss, and the story turns in a way and matures in a way that is indicative of what the fight after that loss is going to be. Okay, now. you know, and and it's continuous, and, and, and even what you're saying is still even a part of it, but it, it's continuous throughout the entire script. Is it, and it is with 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 Elle. It's a constant struggle. The the poor girl can't win. Even as you know, I mean, in the ring, sure, but outside of the ring, even though. She is still succeeding uh, uh, as far as college-wise, school or academics, that kind of thing. Um, 
just life beats you down sometimes. I mean, even the scene where she finds out what happens and, and she just can't, so she just leaves and runs and runs and runs. She can't even win at that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about with the pole? Absolutely. Yeah, I love that too because near the end, after some of these huge events, you kind of pile on the insult to injury. Yeah. And it's very, very compelling and just continues to break your heart for her because, you know, she she has a huge loss. She takes off running. She cracks her head into the pole. Her grandpa has a heart attack. It's like it is total insult to injury there. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, man, you're piling on this girl. Yeah, you're rough on her. (laughs) You know you know, you know, it's one of the best things for me, like, is, is trying to draw out that emotion. And, and But that's how life is, too. Again, um, it seems like when you get down sometimes and things are hard and things are tough. And this is what I told my daughter the other day. I think she was hoping for some sort of motivational speech from me. And I was like, look, hey, I, I get it. Things are tough right now. But just think, no matter how bad things are. It can always be worse. <laughs> that sounds like good advice for a boxer. I, I mean, it's just, that's how, you know, I'm sure you guys have been, there's those days in life when just nothing is going right. Nothing is going right. And you're like, oh, I can't wait till this day is over. And then there's just one more thing, right. like a flat tire. It's just the simplest thing. It's like, really, is that really necessary life? Mm-hmm. Come on. Cut yeah. me some slack here. Yeah. But that's, that's how kind of how that went. Um, and one of the cool things is, is I do let my daughters read my work and stuff like that, and they'll go through and give me give me grief about it or whatever. But especially this one, um, you know, I'm asked the one, uh, the 17-year-old actress, Mad- her name is Madison May, by the way. Okay. Um, I asked her, I'm like, so what are your thoughts? She's like, I'm not crying. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's sweet. That is so cute that you let them read your work. Are they the, like, first-round readers of anything you write? Um. Sometimes. Um, I do have one reader in particular named Catherine. She is absolutely amazing. Um, she is so rough. <laughs> I mean, she is so brutally like rough with me and stuff like that and what she sends back, but it's all accurate. It's so on point. Um, and a lot of times I already, I know I'm missing something or I know something's off, but I can't pinpoint it because I've been staring at the screenplay for how long. So when she calls it out, I'm like, yep, there it is. Mm-hmm. There it is. So, what was the overall timeline on this script between, you know, coming up with the idea and starting to write it and then getting the input from your kids and from Catherine to where we're at now with what we've got? This is my second draft. Wow. So what what the draft that you guys originally read before I sent this one over, that was my first draft. Okay. Um, well, geez, so it, it feels very finished. This one, this is the second draft after Catherine. Um <laughs> yeah, I, I I usually go through and I'll clean it up pretty good on my own. Um, I know what happens. It, it gets to a point where, you know, you'll start to send it here, you'll send it there, and you'll start to get feedback, and you'll make your corrections. And at least for me, I know when I'm done because what will happen is, is I'll stop getting the same critiques over and over, and it'll stop change, it'll change from, hey, this, this is off or this is off here to it'll go to, I think you should do this, or what do you think about that, where it starts to shift to more opinions on what they would prefer. Yeah. And once opinions start to come in, I know I'm good. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing wrong with the story, but they would like to maybe see this or like to maybe see that. And that's where I usually stop because the reality is, is once this gets to uh, a producer, a director, you know, whoever, uh, other talent, 
they're going to want to make the changes once it actually goes into production. And that's when I hold it right there because those are the people who are going to make the changes that are going to put it on film. So that even where fair. this is at, I'm sure, you know, if a director comes in, he's going to be like, okay, well, let's adjust this. What do you think about this? And that man clearly knows what he's doing because he's a director and, or a woman. Um, and they will know what they're doing. They um, hopefully have been doing this for plenty of years and possibly know a lot more than me. So at that point, we'll go through and make corrections together to make the best possible film. Mm-hmm. What are your plans for production on this script? Yeah, where's it at? Uh, it's with you guys right now. That's where I'm sitting. Yeah. I just, I literally just finished this thing a couple weeks back. And I, I mean, anyone wants to throw out some money, gets this thing made. Let's do it. What, do, what are usually <laughs> what the next, what are the next steps that you take as a writer when you have a finished script? Um, and, and this is, this is the hard part of this business. You can write forever and screenplays will just stack up. Uh, I heard somewhere that, um, Every overnight success has a stack of screenplays in their closet somewhere, and that's true. I, I have a stack. I have sold one. I sold one last year. I didn't go into production because the producer and financer had some a falling out, if you will. Mm. Um, I do have a screenplay right now called The Week Outdoors that is moving forward. We have talent attached. Um, Casey Webb from Man vs. Food. Oh, cool. He's attached. We have, we have a couple other people attached. Um, that was actually a comedy. But I, I do have uh, a couple partners, friends that have become partners. Um, one is a line producer, and, and the other is a producer, and they're both out of New York. And, you know, I've started sending them stuff, and that one they happen to be like, oh, I absolutely love this one. Let's, let's see what we can do. We, we've done a table read with the collective out of New York. Um, that's Amy Schumer's group. Um, so they came in. They read. There's a couple people there from Orange is the New Black. They did their reads. Yeah. Um, we went through, made some more corrections. Now it's about getting it out to financing. And that's where the real struggles come in is getting somebody to invest in a film, um, to actually, you know, step in and say, hey, let's get this made. Because everyone loves everything until it comes down to money. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's, that's where the risk is involved. And, and, you know, people get, I mean, it's good, but, you know, every, everyone loves your stuff until the next best thing comes along. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's always interested by, and Allison, you know about this stuff too, where you've got something and then there's been some interest shown and then for whatever, for, for reasons that are 100% out of your control, this thing that you created just sort of dies on the vine because of, like you said, some weird argument or people just won't step yeah. up with a check. That's got to, that would drive me completely insane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not easy, but it is what it is. It's part of the business and you have to accept it. Um, like this one in particular, I, I, I think this, this film in particular can be shot on an extremely low budget um, and will do very well. I think we bring in the right director, the right talent. And I've actually talked to uh, Ken Shamrock. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Um, UFC guy. He was like in UFC one, you know, basically started with MMA. Yeah, I remember hearing that name. Um, worked out with him a couple days ago and stuff like that and talked to him about possibly playing the role of Sonny. Now we're talking. Uh, he's right about that age, a former fighter, you know, amazing fighter. Uh, talk to him about playing the role. He's interested in the screenplay over to him. Um, so we get the right people attached. I think this particular film can be shot extremely easily, you know, probably a three week shoot uh, on more than likely a budget of, you know, 700,000 mm-hmm. and can do very well, especially if you bring in the right director. I feel like this is one of those things that 
people may may tune in to watch this kind of thing just because they think it's about boxing and things like that. But once they actually get involved in the film and involved with the characters in this family, they realize that there's a lot more here than just a boxing. And this is where my head is always at. In my head, I'm like, this is the kind of film that you can't help but cry. You can't help but tear up no matter how strong you are. You're rooting for this poor girl who's never, just never catches a break. And, and no matter what she does, she's just, just getting beat on. Um, but these are the kind of things that win Oscars. And I see, again, this is where my head's at. I'll, I'll take an award. So anyway. <laughs> well, I, I think that you're thinking about it correctly because, you know, it sounds like two really specific things that you do with your scripts is one, find other people to read them. You know, you talk about sending it to New York through uh, your partners that you have having the collective read them. You're having other people read the script that's preparing it. And then the other thing you're doing is focusing on the thematic elements to drum up funding, mm -hmm. which I think always will ultimately work and not lots of filmmakers, especially if they're self-producing or trying to figure out how to do it, start there. They, they go to, to film funders for funding instead of really utilizing the resources and using the content of what the script is about, which is where you can really tug yeah. the heartstrings and help people connect and help them really, you know, find ways to fund the project. Yeah, you, you really have to reach out to, to anyone and anyone you can, because you never know who may or may not be able to help or willing to help or who knows who and things like that. I, I, I mean, my, my partner, Rick, um, it's funny because we're, we're partnered up in a couple projects now. Um, we're doing a documentary on um, uh, soldiers that are uh, missing in action and stuff like that. Wow. Um, that, we're, that we're working on and possibly going to be getting funding for here shortly. Um, but the, the way I met him was because I bought Oakland Raiders tickets off of his stepmother at the gym. Got to talking. <laughs> She's like, oh, my son does this. And I'm like, cool. And then by the time I got home, I already had an email from him asking to read some of my work. And then we, we ended up becoming buddies and moving forward on a lot of projects. So it's, That's cool. You just never know who you're going to meet and, and when you're going to meet them. But as long as you, you put in the time and effort in your work, you know, that's, that's really where the success comes. It's just that time, the time and work. Mm -hmm. So you've got, this is kind of a sports movie. Like you said, it's not a full-blown boxing movie, but there's definitely a sports element to it. You've got your, the, mm -hmm. the comedy that you mentioned, and then this other documentary. Any of them feel any easier than others in terms of writing? I mean, I don't know how you write a fight, like putting the choreography down. What, what have been the pros and cons of these different uh, genres? Every, everything is different. And that's the one thing I, I definitely wanted to make sure is that I'm writing every kind of genre that I can to prove that I'm not just a horror writer or, or, you know, a lifetime Hallmark style writer. I want to make sure that people understand that I can write whatever it is that I'm writing. In fact, the project I'm actually working on writing right now, it's called Scoot in America. It's about a guy by the name of Adam Sandoval, who basically gave up his life after um, a divorce. Um, and has got, he's been out on the road. I, I've already signed a contract with the gentleman. He's been out on the road for three years on his Harley Davidson with his dog scooter, <laughs> sold everything he owned for $500 and is just riding across the country, hitting up all these Harley Davidson shops, raising money for um, a new warrior project. Wow. Um, and he's been in two horrible crashes. <sighs> and even like after the first crash, you know, people are like, Hey man, maybe, you know, maybe it's time to, to call it in. And he's like, his, his words were, he's like, we're American. We don't quit. 
a month later, still broken leg, everything else, got back on that Harley, back out on the road. He's raised over half a million dollars now for, for those charities. And I, I mean, to the point where, I mean, he's, he literally has slept on the side of the road because he refuses to use any of the money he raises for even, even you know, room and board. Wow. He gives every, every bit of it back. Amazing, absolutely amazing guy. So I'm, I'm working on his project right now, and then um, I'll be working on his book as well. Um, so it's just one thing to the next. I, I mean, anything that I can write, there's a story in anything. Right. So, Gunnar, if somebody is interested in getting in touch with you to work with you on these projects or to develop new work with you, mm-hmm. what's the best way for somebody to get in touch with you? You can email me at gunnargarrett at bugafilms.com. Can you um, spell that? Put that up on your... Might just be easier if we wrap it up. G-U-N-N-A-R, Garrett, G-A-R-R-E-T-T, at Buga Films, B-U-G-A-F-I-L-M-S. There we go. What's Buga Films? What does that mean? Um, <laughs> it's funny because uh, when I was a kid, my nickname was Buga. Oh. It's, a, it's a weird thing. My I guess my aunt used to hang me upside down and shave me by my legs and be like, booga, booga. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you guys entertained. That's great. That's cute. <laughs> it's so but cute. It's it stuck, so that's that's what it is. Um, and it's funny because that's that's just the email address I use. Um, and I do put some of my products on the on the webpage and everything else. But my daughter, the 18-year-old, has actually kind of taken over the webpage. She, she's running a screenplay competition, and I do a lot of the um, – I'll, I'll, I'll judge it. You know, I'll read through all the screenplays, judge them and stuff like that. But she runs it. Um, she's into photography. She, so she runs her photography out of that website as well. Mm-hmm. What is the screenplay competition that your daughter runs? It's, it's a Booga screenplay competition. It's basically what, what we'll do, you know, again, like any other screenplay competition, we'll go through and uh, read, judge, awards, all that stuff. But if we find a project that is really good at, you know, of course, I'll reach out to the writer and stuff like that and try to pass it on to the, the, my production partners that I, that I do know that are very well connected in the industry. Um, because if, if work is good enough, it needs to get made. It's just that simple. I mean, as much as I want to get my work made, and I think my work is amazing because if I didn't, you know, I would be dumb. <laughs> I'd be wasting my time writing. Um, but sometimes there are projects that come through that is like, wow, um, we need to get this to somebody. And whether or not it gets made or, or anything like that, that's just like any other project. At least if nothing else, we're, we're helping them get it out there so where they're, they're getting acknowledged, their, their name is getting out to somebody. Whether or not the, that particular producer or whoever in the industry decides to go with that project, if nothing else, they will have heard that person's name. So the next time around when they have another screenplay that happens to be their cup of tea, they say, hey, oh, I remember you. You had that other one, Correct. And that's a good connection right there. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. So, and, and like I'm sure you know in this business, I, I mean, it's extremely difficult to get something actually produced. But the more people you meet, the more your name gets out there, the more you get pushed forward, the better your chances. And that's really what this comes down to is bettering your chances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, you got to cast a wide net. That's basically it. I mean, eventually, you'll, if, you have, if you have good work, eventually you're going to get your stuff produced. Well, Gunnar, it is our our pleasure to have you on the show and continue being part of your net. We yeah. love talking about your work, and we love being <laughs> able to share it with everybody. So thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Hey, buy my book, My Father's Joy. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, fun. just make a bigger make a bigger uh, pitch for that. You got time right now. Go no, for yeah, it. Yeah, this is actually, this is actually it's, 
a horror. It's more of a thriller with a horror kind of content. Uh, cool. Basically, uh, a sweet, innocent girl moves into town um, to escape a past, meets that troubled boy next door. So things kind of get weird, but we turn turns out maybe the girl is the one with more problems than that boy. Um, it's Again, this is with my writing. It's a quick, easy read. Um, the book, I've had a lot of people read it and write about three hours. Cool. And, I mean, it's on Amazon. You can look it up. It's called My Father's Joy. My Father's Joy. One of those things where, uh, again, the, the feedback I've got was, I did not see that coming. Cool. I thought I had it figured out, and it took a twist that I did not see coming. We're definitely going to check that out, and we'll make sure to link that up on uh, on scriptshopshow.com to let people know where they can uh, get a hold of that as well. Yeah, totally. Appreciate it. Thank you. Gunner, pleasure. Glad you, uh, I'm very glad that you made it back and that it led to you starting to work and write this stuff. Uh, we appreciate it very much. Thanks very much for coming on the show. All right. Thank you, guys. All right, we'll thanks, talk man. to you later, Gunner. All right, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, well, there's Gunner Garrett. And, you know, by the way, good for us for not making any kind <laughs> of clever name puns about the fact that his name is Gunner and he was in the military. We avoided that whole oh, thing altogether. I didn't even think about that. I'm very proud of us. I feel like that was a very... We're not con- having to make... Just for not s- making fun of somebody's name. Just make it not... Yeah, right. We avoided the obvious. I think that was a good move. <laughs> um, I do love alliteration in people's names, yeah. though. Gunner, Gunner Garrett. Garrett. Yeah, he's That's got that. That's a wonderful name. 60s sort of Stanley, right? You know, comics back in the day where you got, you know, Peter Parker and J. Oh, Jonah Jameson and I love all it. those guys. Those are so good. Yeah, that's such a great script. Those I really feel like those whole big family value things, mm-hmm. they, you know, we talked pretty much this whole, we didn't even get into some of the other things we have, like, you know, um, well, first of all, that script, they, they say Sonny is a Brooklyn native, so, like, really what part of the country it takes place in and right. why? Or there's a lot to be said about um, the skin colors of the different mm-hmm. characters. We didn't talk about any of that because the family values are so... Yeah so present that's true which is really beautiful and yeah it's, it's a very relationshipy script and, and i mean yeah. that in a good way strong characters mm-hmm. really good ones um so listeners if you are a producer looking for a great script go read this online if you're an actor looking for a great role go read this online mm-hmm. if you are another writer and you're trying to see examples of people writing good family sports dramas Go read this online because there's a lot for you there to to see and to learn from. And that is all available at scriptshopshow.com. If you have something that you have written that you want to submit to us, it's just as simple, scriptshopshow.com slash submit, and uh, that will uh, send your work our way. And that's how the magic happens. We're and we're also on Facebook, Instagram, <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> Jack's much better at Twitter than I am, so follow him at Script Shop Jack or us at Script Shop Show. We talk a lot about the writers we have on, their work, what's up and coming. And then on show days, I tend to post a little bit more silly stuff because we've got behind-the-scenes things happening. Because we're very silly. <laughs> very silly. We do what we can. Anywho, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. That we, Did we cover all of our business? Yeah, I think so. Thank you very much. Uh, We'll talk to you next time. And until next week, that's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West, hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley, produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.